They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, this is Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. This is a special one. This is a uh, um, show I wanted to do last year. This is revolving around its Salem Horror Fest season. I saw an amazingly hilarious um, insane little movie at Salem Horror Fest last year called Death Drop Gorgeous. Um, never got a chance to sit down last year and talk with the people that made it. And they're here today to talk about it this year while it's just coming out recently to stream and own. And they're making another film. So it's the perfect opportunity and time to talk about it. Before I get into introducing each of them and letting them tell you a little bit about themselves, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. You are Aaron Moriarty. Andrew Krause, Seth Comfort, Collaborating Online, Seth Decker, Shore Hansen, Gusted, Robert V. Aldrich, Mike the Gatherer, Kevin C.V., Alex Peregrine, Alex Shaw, Geeks with Shields, Green Goblin, Patricia Chipman, Brendan Agnew, Christopher Finnick, and G.D., and to my newest patron, Marissa McCool, who makes even more podcasts than me, if that's even possible. Um, <laughs> an amazing person, and you should check out everything that she does as well. Um, today's episode, like I said, is brought to you by the Salem Horror Fest. The 2021 version is going on right now. When you're listening to this, it's just about time for the virtual program to start. You'll be able to see many films like Death Drop Gorgeous and It's Ilk. Um, and uh, just get out there and support local, awesome genre cinema. Um, so with that, um, we're here to talk Death Drop Gorgeous today. And I have um, writer and writers and directors Michael J. Ahern, Christopher Delp. And Brendan Paris and Star Wing Gonsalves here with me today. Hey, each of you, just uh, introduce yourselves. Sure. I guess I'll go first since you named me first. <laughs> um, uh, my name is Mike. Yeah, I'm one of the uh, creators of Death Drop Gorgeous. Um, oh my God, how do we introduce ourselves? I'm and from New England, from Massachusetts. I now reside in Providence, Rhode Island. And yeah. Awesome. It's hard to to determine who goes next because we can't see each other's faces. Yes. (laughs) I guess Christopher, because I mentioned you second. I'll do, I can do that. So hello everyone. Uh, My name is Christopher Dalby. I'm also one of the creators of Death Drop Gorgeous, as well as I play a small little role in the movie called Broadway Brian. Uh, A tiny role. <laughs> Just a tiny role, um, but I'm really excited to be here and so happy uh, to um, be talking about the project with you. Awesome. And uh, Brandon? Yeah, my name is Brandon. I am um, one of the co-creators of Death Drop Gorgeous. I play the role of Tony Two Fingers, and I also reside in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, man. <laughs> so much fun. And, uh, and, and Wayne? Oh, hey. uh, hi, my name is uh, Wayne Gonsalves. I am the I'm one of the lead characters in Death Drop Gorgeous, as well as the killer stunt double. <laughs> oh wow! Fun facts. <laughs> I'm I all also, about facts. I also forgot to mention I play Detective O'Hara in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, a little less important, but <laughs> well, no, I mean, all, okay, God. And I'm going through, I, uh, I wanted to watch the movie again because I, I did buy it on Vudu because I'm like, I have to own this thing. 
This oh, is, thank you. I, I, yeah, I watched it like three times last year during the horror fest. <laughs> You've got to see this thing. <laughs> and it's, just, it's so damn funny. And uh, so um, b- before getting into it, I want to, you know, since there wasn't, you know, a review from me recently on this to go off of for people listening, what is Death Drop Gorgeous? Uh, Death Drop Gorgeous, you know, its synopsis is <laughs> a dejected bartender and an aging drag queen. Tra- drag queen. Wow, I'm doing cool today. I, I created a whole new thing. Yes, the drag queen. The garbage. <laughs> and an aging drag queen try to survive the eccentric and hostile nightlife of a corrupt city as a mass maniac slaughters young gay men and drains them of blood. Um, it premiered, or at least from where I saw it, at Salem Horror Fest 2020. Was that the first time you showed this, or had it premiered in Providence before? Um, I think the first festival it premiered in was uh, Wicked Queer, which is uh, Boston's uh, LGBTQ uh, film fest, and that was that was where we premiered. And I think like the next big splash we had was at Salem Horror Fest as well. That's awesome. I, I yeah. would have been awesome to have had an in-person, you know, crowd to watch this movie with because this uh, this I could see getting getting people going <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I'd said before I, I was able to buy it on Vudu. Is that, is that the main, like, is it just streaming like places that have streaming stuff or. So you could, you could actually order physical copies from dark star uh, pictures. So they have actual DVDs. Um, but they're, uh, if you go on there, they have a link tree and it's, it's the usual suspects like iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, um, and Xfinity or something. <laughs> so Man, I'd, love, I'd love to see some like old conservative couple stumble upon this on Xfinity. No, we'll pay four ninety. <laughs> we we love old, we love old Hollywood gals. Yeah. What was that? So all of the um, older conservative couples who have an affinity for old Hollywood uh, glamour, they might end up uh, getting more than they bargained for. I, I mean, what do you mean more than they bargained for with characters like Gloria Hole and, uh, and Janet Fitness. Um, I, I was reading down these again because they kill me. Audrey Hartburn. <laughs> they're great it, it made me go oh, Lindsay fucking him yeah jesus the other day i was i was talking to a friend about the the stefan bits on snl and <laughs> do you remember these and you know like they would always have names like this like you know um cl- club owner uh I, I forget the ones that they used to come up with but they, they were just it reminded me of these. You can see club owner Lindsay fucking him has brought it all. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so where, where, where did this come from? You know, horror, like as, as a person that's always been into horror, you, you get a lot of people that uh, are more conservative, you know, white men that, you know, don't want to accept the fact that, you know, horror is for everybody and, uh, you know, might have a problem recognizing that, you know, this, this movie is, you know, the horror community is all over this thing, right? This is exactly what I think of when I think of, you know, low budget, campy, you know, tongue in cheek horror. But like, wh- where did you come up with, with the idea for this? Oh, who wants to ask that one? <laughs> I, I can jump in. Um, so early in its inception, before Death Drop Gorgeous really was Death Drop Gorgeous, um, Brandon and I had sat and we were just like having a couple drinks uh laughing about how um, gay dating apps like Scruff and Grindr 
um, were like the new age Craigslist. And so like mm -hmm. how how ready and perfect those that opportunity would be for serial killers. Um, so we had been brainstorming all of like these gruesome ways that folks could die being lured on gay dating apps. And about like a full year later, um, Brandon introduced me to Mike Ahern, at, who's a screenwriter and was interested in turning this kind of like bonkers idea into a full feature length movie. Uh, from there, it just kind of unrolled and started to like pull in like elements of all of our lives and providence in general uh, to turn into the monstrosity that it became. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, not that I, uh, you know, I I'm sure there was a time in my life where I easily could have encountered and have probably been to clubs where there have been glory holes in a bathroom. But <laughs> now I have a very irrational fear. <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those I things always, like, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Don't go for it. Sorry. No, when you mentioned. Yeah, when you mentioned glory holes, I was just going to say we always joked that we wanted to do to glory holes what Jaws did to the ocean. So <laughs> hopefully we succeeded. Well, I mean, I, I like, you know, as. As a married man, I'm sitting there going, yeah, you know, these aren't the kinds of things. I remember, like, Scary Movie 2 had the, the dick through oh, yeah. the guy's head, glory hole and all that. And I'm like, this is all for good fun. And I'm like, most of this movie is really campy and really fun. And, like, you know, and then I'm watching this and going, now I have a horrifying, irrational fear of this happening to me. Well, well, to be to be honest, if we're speaking statistically, married men are the most likely to get murdered at a glory hole. That is a very good point. <laughs> See the thing is like I think it's it's a totally a very rational fear. I had a rational fear of glory holes even before this. They're kind of terrifying. I, I like to see what's going on. It's, it's, it's a good way to just lead you into what the movie is going to give you because I'm sitting there going, okay, cool. What's going to happen here? Oh, that's a meat grinder. All right, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, you, you had said, you know, the, you took bits from your real lives and from Providence in general. So is a lot of the, the settings of this movie just, you know, what's actually going on, real places, real people, real things that you kind of worked in? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like the, the little the little tinge of like the mafia aspect of it, too, like with the cops and like Tony Two Fingers character is very, very much so Providence. It's uh, the city is, is um. <laughs> was kind of built on on the mafia in a weird way um so there's you know that that is a thing um the locations are actual uh, music venues and gay clubs and gay bars and restaurants in, in providence um so yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a it's about as providence as you get with the film even the music too there's a lot of music from providence on there um so yeah it's kind of we should be a part of like the tourism board i think <laughs> right. we're, we're getting there i talked to lizzie <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I foresee a, you know, a future um, Flight of the Concord style show where the crew from Deathstop <laughs> Gorgeous is just the, the tourism board for Providence. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's full of drag queens that melt people down and use them to live forever, right? That's, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of so drag queens in Providence. There's a lot. So that's, uh, yeah, they're, they're around. <laughs> Right. So where, where did you draw inspiration from? I mean, it, it's amazing when you look at the cast and go, wow, you got Linnea Quigley in this thing. Like, that's awesome. So I think the biggest inspiration is like, I think um, a big chunk of this is we, we wanted to to make what we weren't seeing in horror. Um, I mean, like we're, we didn't invent 
like queer horror. There are, there are queer films out there too. We wanted to do like a queer film that we really haven't seen before with characters and storylines we haven't seen. And, um, and all of us are pretty big horror fans and including like the cast too, like, you know, Wayne and, um, our actress Ninny and Ninny's a huge horror fan too. So it was just kind of a, uh, um, uh, Kelly square as well, who plays, um, uh, Kelly or Lindsay fucking ham. Um, Wait, no, I'm sorry. What, is she Lindsay Fuckingham? My brain is no, like yeah, you, right got it. you got it. Yeah, you yeah. So it's like a lot of horror fans. We just kind of came together and made this like this crazy, extra gory John Waters esque um, queer horror film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Waters was going to be the big one that I said. I remember being like, God, Oof. how old was I when Serial Mom came out? That was what, 1993? Oh, yeah. Five I was like nine. Like I remember Serial Mom being like, you know, you get, you know, enough, you know, uh, traditional, you know, conservative family members around like talking about how disgusting and awful and horrifying that movie was. And I'm sitting there and I, I eventually like went to Video Craze and rented it because I'm like, I want to see this thing that horrified, you know, my aunts and uncles and everybody and me being a huge horror fan. I sat down and watched it and I'm like, it's just a horror movie. It's really campy and it's wonderful and I love it. And like, you know, I didn't get some of the stuff. I was nine, you know, but, but I remember getting a little older and going, yeah, of course that was a John Waters movie. Like, <laughs> and of course that's why it upset my family. It had nothing. It, it's the fact that it was <laughs> just a little bit queer and that bothered everybody, you know? Yeah. It's subliminally <laughs> queer that like they were getting gayer while watching it. You know, it's, I, 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 yeah, <laughs> now I have to admit this thing about myself. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> how 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 dare I? How dare I think that uh that that everything sexual has to be a zero or a one? Oh God! <laughs> What'll Jesus think? Oh yeah, but yeah, we fucking love John Waters and like just that biting like cynicism and satire that like um you can see that in addition to writing a horror movie, we definitely wanted something that. Uh, uh, held a mirror up to the gay community and the queer community and talking about things that we thought were really important. Um, so we we have fun writing a story where we're like making fun of ourselves and the people we love. Yeah, that, that rang completely true. These are things that you could tell were near and dear to all of you. Like I, I, I loved, I think it was um, uh, Chris, it was your, your character with like the following around Janet Fitness, like it's, you know, the next thing. And like, Oh no! Fuck her! And like a different shirt, <laughs> you know. It's just like I, I love like those petty stuff that like a lot of movies that are trying to be about a group or a community just scratch the surface of. But yours felt lived in. Oh, thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you. It, it, it's really true, and you know, I I had read before we you know started talking here. There was a trivia thing on IMDb that said you know a lot of it were made up of. You know, non-actors, just people, you know, not even from your group, but just people around that, like, you saw every day and were part of this scene and part of this area. And that that let, leads an authenticity that you can't fake. Oh, thank, yeah, thank you. And I could I could definitely see that. Um, so we did, uh, we did have some real actors in this. We got <laughs> uh, We got major shout out to like our detective um, Barry, who played by Sean Murphy. Uh, Peyton St. James um, did a lot of um, community theater and drag in Providence. Um, and then Nini Nothing is an aspiring film actor too. 
But I think the point that you're saying is that we it was definitely a labor of love. Like we had so many people lean into this project. It was like their first time working on a film, either staff, actors, or like extras. And um, so many just threw down to make it happen. And I think that's ultimately what made it so fun to do. Right, and you know, it, it, I like a movie that's just completely honest with itself, right? Like, you know, you don't have too many, especially movies making their way to theaters that, you know, wear their heart on their sleeve about what they're trying to be, right? Like, this movie just starts and goes, yeah, this is camp. Like, hang on, hang on, because it's just going to get weirder the whole time. And, oh, yeah, and so you'd be completely fine with it if this was, you know, uh, a you know, guy getting a blowjob in a random club from a girl because you're okay with that but we're going to add that in there and you know I could see people watching this and just kind of going uh and like no like no that's this is normal like these are just people like and you know seeing horror 100% focused on that community was a great thing to see you know I um always hear you know through friends and people walking around you'll be at a party and you're like you see a guy get in a fight with his boyfriend and walk out and he's immediately on grinder and I'm like what, what are you doing, man? Like, even if this was, you know, like, a couple that I knew, like, why are you immediately on a dating app? Oh, it's to piss them off. You see me on there. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And then you see stuff like that in this. And I'm like, oh, so this is 100% true. This is how petty and people actually act. It's, they, they would walk out of their grandmother's funerals and hop on Grinder. <laughs> I definitely have received that message before. Like, hey, hey, what's up? What are you doing? Oh, I'm at a funeral. <laughs> it's just like, just take a breather. Like, relax. Like, you guys, guys, I know you don't like my boyfriend, but you don't need to dog how we met so much. <laughs> R.I.P. Man. R.I.P. I mean, come on, we're talking about a horror movie here. How many people didn't meet their significant other at a funeral? <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> so um, the, brings the, a whole the, new meaning to lesbian bed death. Uh, <laughs> did, now, did you did you um, set out with originally putting this together for this exact tone and level of gore? You know, I, it's always interesting to talk to people. You know, sometimes they go, "Oh, you know, we started out being more than it was. Like we reached, you know." And then we're like, ah, oh, we didn't really have the budget or the effects, so we went with more of a thinky thing. But, you know, there's a through line of the very same level of, of silliness in the kills and ridiculousness in this that um, I don't know if that was, like, the intention the whole time or you got there by, by like, who got involved. I think, Brandon, Brandon, you should cover this one. Yeah, I think one of my biggest gripes about slasher films are is the lack of gore or off-screen kills or just, like, the, the, the plot of many slashers is very, like, paper thin. So if you're going to, like, kind of maintain some kind of rewatchability in the future, you want to make something memorable. Like, a lot of our favorite, like, 80s slashers, if you think about it, the plot is, like, whatever, but you go back because the kills are fun, the characters are ridiculous. So I think, like, we all kind of, like, we're talking about this. We wanted to make sure that the, the gore was, like, absolutely disgusting. We didn't want to, like, skimp on it. Um no CGI, wanted to go old school. So I think that's like, in, in the early stages of this project, we, we knew that we wanted to do that. And I think like, beyond the gore, like tonally, we always intended it to be sort of this like crass, irreverent sort of comedy. Um, 
I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I think when we all just like eventually started sitting down, I think we knew what we had on our hands. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we could have like held back um, and, and yeah, um, not, not bring sort of the, the comedic aspects to it. I would add the only thing we had to tone down was we had to cut the story in half. So if you think the movie's long now, our original version, we had a lot more jokes in there. <laughs> and we couldn't so, afford a, a plate glass window to throw in through. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's my next contract. <laughs> I once got to talk to the people that made, um, there's these three kids that made an entire shot-for-shot shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark when it was in theaters when they were teenagers. I don't oh, know if wow. you ever heard of this. But no. they, made, they made it over eight years, so scene to scene, the actors change age. So you have, like, a 12-year-old girl in one scene and then an 18-year-old girl in the next shot. It's really funny. But <laughs> the movie is exactly 10 minutes short of than the real movie. And you, when you ask them why, they go, oh, the submarine we were going to use fell through at the last and you go, excuse me? And they just knew someone that had access to, like, one of those submarines you can take a war on. And so they were like, do it for the shot. And I'm like, so, so yeah, we, we didn't get to do that scene because we couldn't afford the plate glass window to throw Wayne through. <laughs> Man, we only had six fake dicks that we could blow up, and we needed seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about production on this? Like, how how big was the crew? How long? Like, was there a lot of planning, or did it kind of like, oh, we have time at eleven o'clock tonight after work? We'll just do the scene. I mean, you're you're talking with the crew. You know, they just go, oh yeah, you know, well, I've got twenty cousins, so you know, they all ran boom mics and stuff, and it's like, what? <laughs> well, it was the four of us, and then plus Ryan uh, Miller, who also played the pup in the movie, and that's that was the extent of our crew. But we were really lucky because a lot of our actors, if they were like on set but not in front of the camera, would like help out too. So it was kind of like this big <laughs> communal family effort. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just it was just primarily the five of us. That's awesome. And and what was the like time period? Like when did you shoot this? Oh god. Um it, I know it took almost like a year and a half or so. Um I feel like we started writing the script in 2015. Um and I'm I'm guessing we probably started production like a what I don't know, what did you guys say in 2016 guys maybe? Yeah, it's 2016. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then it took about a year and a half. We filmed it on nights and weekends. And like you said, it was like, hey, is everyone available Thursday night at 8 p.m. to film the, I don't know, whatever scene? And um, yeah, it was just like coordinating a bunch of schedules and when people had time. Um, so yeah, a very nights and weekends project. Awesome. Who, uh, who did your gore effects? Was it something like you guys just know how to do or... So, um, the smaller ones, Brandon and Wayne tackled, um, Brandon has, um, a knowledge of making some really great, gross <laughs> Halloween costumes. Uh, but the, the major special effects were done by Victoria Elizabeth Black, who was, um, a finalist in season two of the show Dragula. Um, oh, wow. yeah. So she did, 
she did the glory hole um tony's situation at the end <laughs> um and the massage scene um and then the other bigger ones were done by scott c miller who is a a, a local well he's in massachusetts so kind of local to us um special effects artist and he's worked on on other film projects before i think he did one recently and i just always think the title is so silly it's like the man who killed who killed hitler and also bigfoot or something yeah, like that awesome. okay yeah he's Oh, cool. I haven't seen it yet. I need to get around to watching it. But he also did the Scott did the special effects for that movie. So, uh, yeah. So between the two of them and then uh, the ones that Brandon felt like and Wayne felt like they could tackle on their own. We we just did it on our own. See, I, I, I love covering movies and talking to people like you more because it, it, like you said, it's a labor of love. It's got like that underground feel, that like straight to home video, you know, done in like the background. How how did you get like the, the project moving? You said I'm basically talking to the whole crew. So did you did you fund this yourselves? Did you like do like you know, charity event nights at clubs? You know, to get people from those areas involved, like, or was it just no? Literally, this was just something we did because we had a camera and new people. Like, I don't know if there was like. A, community behind you or if you just kind of went for it we 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 started really like balls to the wall of like uh we want to make this and we want to see it happen so my brother-in-law philip gillette who is also a filmmaker he loaned us his uh camera to really um start the process um but immediately we're like um we don't have the money for this. So we're going to start running events and fundraisers throughout Rhode Island. Um, so we held in that first year, a drag show, some con- like contests and like different other events throughout the, the year to raise funds in addition to a big like crowdsourcing campaign, um, which is basically how we afforded anything we did um, was all of those. That's so cool. And so, you, and that gets, people involved too because they're like oh you know i saw that get made you know oh so yeah they go up and see it when it's done and that see that's that's what i like that's how film's supposed to be right that's how art's supposed to be you know it, it's supposed to have that you know everybody put something into this and then we all elevate each other together and see each other succeed rather for than, sure rather than it being contest based you know where it's like oh the one the one that we decided to give an award to makes it through you know like, yeah, we we got really lucky. The more folks that signed on, like just the the bigger the project became. You know, it went from like just sort of the five of us um, making edits to a script to just like a, it was almost like a community initiative um, to get this project finished. Um, yeah, so we got really lucky, and then I think that just like really kept the the momentum going for so long is that the more people signed on the more people got excited about the project and then that kind of kept our excitement up you know yeah we have we had like a great we had a responsibility to all these people to see it through um was kind of now you know since we're not talking you know an, an actual you know big production company scheduled type of shoot did you did you shoot it kind of linearly, like straight through? Did, was there like a oh we're gonna get all the big like gore scenes out of the way first? Because you know, if we have those, then we can fill the rest of the movie in. Like how how did that work? I think we sort of 
broke it down by like um, what was maybe the not necessarily the easiest overall, but maybe a scene where we knew we had a location confirmed. We had the actors confirmed. We had the props already gathered. And then the other scenes, it wasn't necessarily always by difficulty, but we just tried to like be as economical and smart yes. ab about it as possible. Um, obviously, this is, was our first time all, for all of us. So it was sort of a, we were learning as we went. Um, and then I don't even remember like the last scene we technically filmed. Do you guys remember? <laughs> Oh God! Um, um, it wasn't a big scene that I do remember. I I know that the the last half of the finale was one of the final big shoots, and then I think the last scene might have been. Um, I feel like we had redone the opening, the the opening office scene. Yeah, yeah, we did like. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't ever necessarily just do the easy stuff first. I think it was just kind of like whatever we had already ready to go, we would try to tackle that. Um, yeah. Wasn't the green screen scene towards the end? Because, like, we decided to do that, la like, last minute, didn't we? Yeah, I do think that was definitely towards the end when, uh, you know, um, the scene in the convertible at the end. Uh, is, yeah, um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Our, um, yeah, our lovely Thelma and Louise moment, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely towards the end. I remember it was hot out <laughs> that day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I forget. But so, yeah, it was whatever, um, whatever we we could tackle at the time. We did. I think one thing that answers your linear question is during the like interrogation scenes in the movie. Just watch Michael Ahern, Ahern's beard change shape and size for scene. Not just like <laughs> you get an idea. Not just like my beard length, but like. I my weight yo-yoed a little bit in this this production. Um, so yeah, if you if you that whole like little segment where we're talking to each of the like possible suspects of the outhouse, um, you just like yeah, my beard is a different length than every take. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. At one point, you see like a young, fresh-faced Mike ready to make a movie, and then four years later, you see the same man, tired, broken. <laughs> This is, yep. this is Peter Jackson didn't play any roles in the Lord of the Rings. Did you ever see, like, the production of that movie? He's, you know, like a, a plump, you know, jolly guy. And at the end of it, he's like a string bean and like, I just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally, that was me with that drop gorgeous. I also lost hair, so. <laughs> it, it's like when they put the two presidential photos, like the the president like elect versus when he's done with his term next to each other. <laughs> yeah. In a rough couple of years. Obama, I'm so through with your shit photos. <laughs> oh man. Um. So the, you you said the script with a lot of edits. You know, was um. Obviously, this being the first time a lot of you have done anything like this, you know, th there's obviously a lot of character in your characters. And I imagine just from talking to you, a lot of that character just seems to be you guys. You know what I mean? Is there is there a lot that was just left to, you know, um, improvisation and kind of just like, you know, and now he's funny, you know, or was there like very specific words? You know, it's always just interesting to see how people approach this kind of thing. 
so there, there wasn't a whole lot of improv that we definitely put like um heart and soul to the characters and like a little bit of ourselves in there but like also just uh, other influences too like my ter- my character came from two separate bosses i've had like one from a um, gay bar i used to work at and one at an italian restaurant i worked at for 45 minutes um but like i think a lot of the core characters but there was a whole lot of improving but we did leave um some leeway for some of the other actors like especially the, the drag queens if they wanted to improv or try something out um and i know chris and wayne did too so there, there was definitely some improv happening too um a good chunk of it made it into the the uh, the final uh, product too but yeah to go off of that i think ultimately a lot of folks uh feel like our um the script and the story has a lot more improv in it but like i gotta say we wrote a lot of that down like that's awesome. oh yeah because de- deli- delivery of, of stuff like that you know there there's a you know, there's ways you can edit things, and obviously with all the tricks in the world to make something seem naturalistically funny, you know, but, you know, for it to catch people, you know, I've, I've made movies and shot stuff before where I think it's the funniest thing in the world, and then you show it to people and it doesn't land because they're not married to it, but, <laughs> it, but this, this movie, I just found myself laughing the whole time, and, you know, it, it could just be because I know so many people like this group of people, you know, like, I immediately want to be like, man, I got to call up like four or five dudes that I know that one would absolutely love this. And two have probably been to the clubs in this movie, you know, but it's just like, there's no, this isn't a fanciful, you know, uh, oh yeah, this, this, this world doesn't exist. This outside of the weird, campy, strange stuff going on, you know, with the the horror aspect of it, the, the movie is just a slice of reality, you know obviously dramatized you know you, you got the bosses and the detectives that are very um over the top you know film caricatures but you know i it just it has that feel of like you know a really like fun in joke that like if people know anything about the community they're just gonna dig everything about it right know? i think i think off of that if anyone was to speak about how much of this seemed like it was cut straight from their life i think our main character wayne also known as Dwayne, might actually have something to say about that. <laughs> it, it was it, it is it's a, it was an eerie script that um, when Brandon uh, sent it to me, I was reading it and I was like, it, I, and I hadn't met, I didn't really know um, Mike that well yet. So when Mike was writing a lot of the script and filling in some of these these um, these plot pieces, and I read it and I was like, did you tell him about that? <laughs> it was almost like it was like directly from my life. And I was like, you told him about that story? And he's like, no, he just wrote it. I have a <laughs> confession to make, Wayne. I followed you <laughs> for an entire year of your life. And I just watched you <laughs> from the corners and the alleyways. And I documented it all. I was going to say, Wayne, um, I know that, that your therapist has tried to make you feel like this isn't real. But this was just a found footage movie. <laughs> I, I think my therapist was Mike in a mask. <laughs> oh my god, it was me like in drag as a woman, like across in a little chair. <laughs> you're you're my Dr. Melfi. Oh my god, I am your Dr. Melfi. Dr. Deb. Dr. Oh, Deb. <laughs> well, I think it's also like a it's an ultimate compliment that you said that you felt like these characters were real too. Cause we were t- when we were talking about um, you know, accurate representation and things that we wanted to see in characters didn't exist. Like that was kind of the what we were doing, like we wanted these characters to be real and not like the usual, what you usually see in the, in these films. I mean, um, well, yeah, you stick, you stick a, a gay, a trans and LGBT, or even like the dumb jock character into a horror movie. There's a very stereotypical thing 
movies normally do. And instead, this felt like, no, that feels like a very specific person I know, not a very specific trope of a person Hollywood wants me to think of. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, to have our drag queens and our gay characters be a little bit more than two-dimensional was kind of like a big deal. I think part of drag being in a lot of mainstream media right now is that you have very specific versions of what a funny drag queen sounds like. And uh, I think what we really wanted to create was a lot more character than that and a lot more like uh, interest than just kind of um, a one trick pony kind of vibe. And like with all these like shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and even Dragula too, is these elimination shows kind of create this element that people are disposable. You're voted off. You're done with goodbye. Your career and your personality don't matter. But you also see like the vulnerability that these are human beings under these characters. And yeah, like you know when they do leave these shows, and they do are they are the first or second to go home. It, it does take an emotional toll. And that like you know as you see in the film, drag costs money. So it's like you're seeing like the, these these sides of drag queens that are real too. And like especially like with Wayne and uh, Wayne's character, especially it's like there's a lot more there's, there's many more gay men that are out there that are like that character that, that are not getting represented you don't really see it often i see a lot of you know netflix series and horror films and not just netflix a lot of streaming services trying to like you know tack on these representations like it's nice and sweet and all i think a lot of it is just kind of they just kind of have to do it because that's what the producers want these days but like they're really not hitting their mark as to like I don't know. Like for example, like the new wrong turn movie just had these two gay characters in it that were literally every possible trope, and not just being gay, but like minorities and religions too, all jammed in these two characters. And it just felt so forced and fake, and it was almost insulting. I was like, yeah, I know you guys think that this is like a nice thing to do for for the gays and for other people, other like minorities, but and at the end of the day, it's just it's kind of tacky, and you're really not capturing like what the representation that we are looking for, what makes us feel like seen in in uh, in cinema. So I'm glad that you know you. You had mentioned that these are these characters felt real because that's like what we wanted to do. Yeah, fuck yeah, Brandon. Fuck yeah. You, you want to see yourself represented on and, and again, there's always a place. If a movie is being winky, silly for a reason, then cool, put the most broad, stereotypical version of X thing. If the movie is being honest with us, hey, we're we're making a joke here. But when when a movie is sitting there and you go, Man, wouldn't it be great if I was represented on screen? It shouldn't be the when that person says I, you go, oh, yeah, you're a gay guy. Let me find the silliest, over-the-top, most effeminate, jumpy, ridiculous thing we can possibly think of that's actually going to be more offensive to you than it is going to be, hey, this is you on screen. And that no. role was played by Christopher Dalby. <laughs> and again, but Christopher Dalby, that's still a guy I know instead of it being yeah. a Hollywoodified version you know, it could have been um, what? What's his head? Every time they stick British late night guy. Um, oh uh, God, a uh, Graham? No, what is his uh, name? James uh, Corden. James Corden. Every time, like the kind <laughs> of gay character James Corden would play. You, you know, where it's just like, can, can I? Can I be? Can I be more over the top? Like, and it's just like, come on, guy. Like, stop. Well, yeah, I think what you're, get, you're getting at is that we wanted to be the heroes of the story. We also wanted us to be the villains and also the supporting actors. Like, everything about our movie is queer. Every hand yes. that touched it is queer as fuck. Like, um, and we're talking, like, even, like, post-production and sound editing. Like, all of those motherfuckers are queer. Um, and 
I think it's just a testament that we want different representation doesn't just look like what does your main character look like? It has to do with like the full aspect of the story. Exactly. And, and I like, you know, you even have a movie where, yeah, as over the top and campy as the storyline and the, the horror in this was, it still is about something real Like you know, this is a drag queen aging out of what they're able to do. Like that's an existential crisis and a problem. This is this is this is me. This is what I am, and people don't want me anymore. Is there? I I love horror that has that bit of, oh, you can almost kind of understand where the killer is coming from from an like metaphysical, like existential, like oh yeah, that would depress the shit out of me too. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's such a. I think that is just like inherently queer because as we, as like so many internet folks have chatted about like Disney villains, like every Disney villain is like queer coded. So I think we just, we always naturally identify as like gay men with the, with the villains. And I think we really wanted a hero, but we also wanted an anti-hero and we wanted our villain to, we wanted our villain to kind of win. Um, and so that's why we did what we did. It worked. It worked for sure. And, you know, I, it, it is just an absolute pleasure to, to, to chat with you all about it. And I wanted to, I wanted to give you a chance. I want to talk a little bit about, about your next movie, even if there's not a lot you can say, just because I'm excited because, you know, I've seen something you make. I want to see you, you all succeed and do more, but I wanted to make sure I gave you a, a chance to, to say something or shout out something about death drop gorgeous. Oh, and, um, before I say that, I wanted to say the title. Where exactly does the title come from? I mean, I could think of a lot of different things. You know, it, it reminds me of things. But where, where did you come up with it? Should I go? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> well, um, we had like a lot of uh, working titles. Um, sorry, I'm also wrestling with my dog right now. Um, it's perfectly okay. Your dog's a star now. <laughs> um, we uh, orig- originally working title was Tuck Everlasting, but we didn't want to get in trouble for copyright infringement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what we did was, um, so uh, it, a lot of our movie is filled with cameos, cameos and homages, and we we make a lot of homages to movies we love. So um, if anyone hasn't seen Drop Dead Gorgeous, they need to immediately go watch Drop Dead Gorgeous because it's such a good movie. But that's um, the first thing that popped into my head, so that's yeah. good. So dragifying that title into Death Drop Gorgeous was very intentional. Gotcha. Awesome. I just felt like it had to be asked. <laughs> Drop Dead Gorgeous is where I went, but I'm like, I, you know, the the the, the Tuck Everlasting thing is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also just. It's also like terribly perfect in the sense that Tug Everlasting is about finding the fountain of youth. <laughs> but uh, alas, we that we we decided to um, play it safe there. Yeah, well, at least we got to sneak in in one of the monologues in the film, so it, it does have a home in Death Drop. <laughs> yeah. So forever, before <laughs> forever home. <laughs> But before shifting gears, I wanted to make sure, is there something that I didn't touch on or something you guys want to say or give a shout out to that, that we may have missed? That I hope it was fun talking about it because I had a blast, but I, uh, yeah. I, I want to shift gears in a minute. But the, 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 uh, the, the floor is yours if you have anything else about, about <laughs> Death 
Hi. Um, who's there's like <laughs> there's like too many shout outs to give we we just gotten so much love and support from so many podcasts um from you know kayla k at salem horror from like roman and tyler um from the scream queen documentary to all the other many you know film fests and people we've met along the way it's just been like a really really pleasant journey and, and we've met like a lot, a lot of great people so it's been it's been really good that's awesome. Yeah, the, the reception seems to be great. I mean, the fact that it's still being talked about, you know, that I see, at least, you know, in the Twitter circles I run in, that this pops up about every day. I see something, so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and maybe what? it's just that time of year, but I, I really do think it has legs, you know, and no real pun intended. Uh, tucks and oh, legs. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, I, I, I think it's awesome, and I think this is, you know, this is the kind of movie that, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing late night screenings of in, in you know halloween times of places this is this is i i really see that this just kind of you know the the you know hedvig and the angry inch when i when i was in um uh blockbuster when i worked there that was like you know th there were a couple of um one was very closeted and one was not gay guys that i worked with and when that came out it was like you know this like underground thing of oh yeah no they're playing it friday night you know they're gonna have that and rocky horror is gonna be right after and it's like you know seeing more things that fulfill what people in that community need you know like that representation is awesome if we, I, to go off of that like if death drop gorgeous could do for any 16 year old what hedwig and the angry inch did to, for me when i was in high school then i did my job and my life is complete like that great <laughs> Oh, I it's just got a little teary-eyed. It's funny you should say that, actually. So, like, we were at a show on Sunday, and we got approached <laughs> by a teacher, and I won't say at what school or who or where, um, but during lunchtime periods, he dedicates his classroom to, like, awkward kids that don't want to eat in the, like, in the cafeteria. So he said it's a lot of, like, um, a lot of LGBTQ kids, a lot of kids that are, like, overweight that are just bullied all the time. And um, they, like, they're always in there talking about Mortal Kombat, and they love horror movies, so he showed them the trailer for our film. And like they all like lost their minds. They're like, "This was made in Providence," and like they all got really excited about it. So um, now we have like a group of uh, sixteen-year-olds that wants to see our movie that are all oh my god psyched on it. So stop! I'm gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, all it takes is for I mean, you're you're doing the right thing, and it, it, this can be for any marginalized group, right? This is the thing people get in this. Well, why does it have to be for them? Why? Why? Like, I, I didn't have that. It's like, who cares if you didn't have, like, if someone is reaching out and going, hey, person that's not getting respected, we see you. If, if well, you can do that, that's amazing. If you break our movie down to their bare bones, it is about outsiders. So, I mean, and there's not just, that's not just gay people. I mean, straight people deal with it too. So if you feel like an outsider, you might find your a PCU in these characters too. Death awesome. drop gorgeous, bringing families together. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> what are we going to do this year at Thanksgiving? Well, we're going to eat, we're going to pass out and wake up. We're all going to watch Death Drop Gorgeous together. It's perfect. Oh, my, my, my aunt really likes it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so to, to shift gears for a minute, because it's just uh, I'm one honored to have, have you all on. And this is a big group, and I'm really glad. It, it, it shows that I'm good at my job, <laughs> whatever that means. But, um, you know, this is a big group, so I'm, I'm glad it's going really well. I want to talk about St. Drogo for a minute. Yeah. Uh, um, and again, we don't, like, obviously it's it's not done, it's not out, I don't want to blow anything, but, you know, just like, 
where like did that like immediately kick into gear after this got out to the world was this was that being worked on before you were done with this like so yeah we so in uh, i live with <laughs> i live with brandon and ryan um and in quarantine um we just started kind of brainstorming ideas for scripts and we actually tackled one uh, as a team all together um, that we're really excited about um, called Queen of the Rats, but we are going to require a real hefty budget for that one. So we started to try to like brainstorm and uh, figure out what we could do and shoot and um and uh, I really wanted to explore the setting of Provincetown in the off season. Um, it's like super bleak and depressing and kind of a ghost town. And it was so dramatically different than what I was used to uh, visiting the Cape. And so Brandon kind of took that and wrote this outline. And then we just started um, like working off of that outline and, and writing the story. Very cool. And, and I've, I've been keeping myself, you know, I've been looking at the photos and stuff you've been sharing, but I, you know, like having hit Death Drop Gorgeous from like a, wow, this sounds like a fun movie. I'm going to watch it for the horror fest and then going, now I need to talk to all of these people and learn more because this is insane. Um, it's kind of the same <laughs> that, but that's awesome that it's in Provincetown. I, we, we were just there. <laughs> oh, cool. You know, that's, uh, you know, it, it, it's an awesome place. And, you know, I so many people I know through podcasts and they're like, oh, we can't wait to come out and visit you sometime. We got to get down to Provincetown, you know, because it's such a big community for us and everything. And it's like, oh man, I'll go down to Provincetown. And even they're kind of like, wait a minute, why would you go there? And I'm like, why not? <laughs> like, it's awesome. Like, this, these people are my friends. Like, I, I want to be around people that make me happy. There's no, um, there's no, uh, like I said before, like one or zero about who I can spend my time with. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll sit around at a bar with, you know, with whoever. It doesn't matter to me. And uh, I think that's a, a bit of a progressive <laughs> outlook for a lot of people. Bo the Boston area is strangely still set in old Christian Catholic traditions of oh, yeah. those people. You can't be in the same room as them. You might catch it. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was it was contagious it would uh, widen the dating pool for people. Uh, it would make things a hell of a lot easier. Um no, but yes, yeah, so so that's cool. So it's set so it's set in P Town on the off season. Is it is it a is it a horror? Like what's what's the um you know uh, I, I don't want to read too much because I don't I, I'd rather be surprised, but you know, what's the uh what's the bent on this one? D definitely a horror. <laughs> Can I, can I throw in there? I know that this is, um, like, one of the things about Death Drop Gorgeous is uh, we're funny, and we know we're funny. Uh, what I do love about uh, St. Drogo is it's a much more, like, it's a bigger exploration into, like, a lot more darker, darker elements where you don't find yourself chuckling at the end of a scene. It's a lot more of exploring what it means to be, like, uneasy and uncomfortable. Um, and I think uh, the team has really, um, like, really delivered on a lot of those ends. I was process. I was processing a lot of breakup emotions. <laughs> You're challenging yourselves. That's that's awesome. I, and that's what you like to hear. You know, not, not that you have to do it, but I always like when people go, "Yeah, I think I'm really good at X thing." Um, 
So I'm not going to really double down on X thing again. I'm going to throw in something that might catch me off guard. And it's, I think that's, that's a really good sign that you're, that you're willing to go there. Yeah. And this one's like a, I would say it's like a supernatural thriller folk horror kind of combo. Um, definitely super dark. Um, still pretty queer. Um, I, th- I think it'll be fun. It's funny. Cause like the, um, you know, the majority of the crew is like, not the like, biggest horror comedy fans but like we ended up making a horror comedy like camp film had a blast doing it um so we're kind of like getting back into maybe trying something um something dark and are you are you still in the midst of filming it like what's um yes we just had um we we had a pretty successful fundraiser so we have enough money to get back into filming because there's a um a couple pretty uh, special effects heavy scenes are going to involve a lot of care and they're filmed during the day which makes it more complicated because when you're filming stuff at night or in the dark you can you can play a lot with lighting to make things kind of you know you can hide some some uh, blemishes but when you're filming during the day you know things all look good so uh we're trying to really assemble like the best special effects team that we can to to tackle this giant scene so it should be um should be should be fun We're, we're hoping to have some more answers for that by the end of uh, November. Awesome. I just, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to start following it closer. Cause I, I keep seeing the photos you all share and everything. And it's like, wow, what, what are they making? You know? Cause it's like, <laughs> you know, where's, where, where's, where's the neon and the, and the blood. And then I'm like, Oh wait, no, this is, this is, this looks like, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> and, I, and I love that area. That, that area is so good or being a bat like you said you can go to p-town and the cape in the summertime and film the most uplifting like happy like everybody get together let's have a good time movie and in the off season you can make the bleakest we're all fucked and doomed like movie you could ever imagine without having to do much it's just oh yeah look. you take people out of the cape and it looks like the apocalypse has happened or like <laughs> But, or or people got out because a tornado is about to hit. You know, it, it's just very like, it's very bleak. We always go down there on um, the last weekend of the summer. So when state places are getting ready to close up, and it's it's always just because you know it's a cool like you know way to like you know shake off the summer and you know things are a little bit cheaper and whatever else. But everywhere you go has that air of oh like the person working at this coffee shop. They're getting on a bus and going back to college tomorrow, you know. Oh yeah, everybody, everybody's about to abandon it, and that just makes such a creepy feeling. Yeah, I I think we agree. It's uh, it's the perfect setting to I think like realize Brandon and Mike's story, and uh, similarly to like Death Drop Gorgeous being about outsiders, this one really covers. Uh, being an outsider within the gay community, but also like the price of joining something, the price of joining and being a part of something, sometimes the cost is too high. Um, It's sometimes better to be an outsider. Ah, all right. I like that. This is speaking my language. I I can't wait. (laughs) Again, I don't don't want to tell people too much, but um, I'll do the same thing I did with Death Drop, you know, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I should probably go back to work. Yay. Um, but I, I want to make sure, you know, you, you have a chance. If there's anything you want to say about St. Drogo or anything you want to say to fans, it, I really appreciate the time you've given me today. And I, I, I hope we can chat again in the future. I, I just, uh, I think you're all awesome and I can't wait to see what else you have in store for us. 
Oh, thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, this has been great. Um, we would love to chat again. Um, I guess the only thing we could say about St. Drogo is that um, uh, the Indiegogo for it is still technically up. Um, so if someone's listening and is rich or just has some extra <laughs> money they want to throw around, they can find our, the Indiegogo for it um, and throw us a few bucks. Um, and on that same... Same on that same Indiegogo, um, we have a concept uh, trailer uh, there, so people can kind of see what we've already accomplished and some some shots and scenes. Uh, it doesn't give away too much, but we wanted to kind of show folks like what we're working with and how much we've grown as filmmakers. Yeah, if, if I had it my way, you guys won't be going anywhere. You're just going to keep getting to do this stuff. So please help them out, um, so we can see more. Uh, you know, more more horror for everybody as opposed to more horror for whatever, you know, the the uh, focus groups say people want, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, all of you, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, anyone that, you know, hears this and is interested, look up Death Drop Gorgeous, buy a copy of it to own, buy a copy of it, um, streaming, rent it, do something that helps support these folks. I... I guaranteed, if nothing else, you'll be entertained. It's it, it wants you to enjoy it. It's a big get a group of people together and laugh and just be so happy with the ridiculousness of it all. Um, this is the kind of thing you saw this cover box in the horror section at like a local video store. This you wouldn't be able to leave without it. It's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? What? <laughs> He's going to take it. And, uh, it, it, it just really is one of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, get over to Indiegogo, learn about their next film, support it. Um, this is what we're all about, you know, just keeping people making things that make us happy, right? Agreed. Definitely. So thank, thank all of you for shooting the shit with Chippa today. Thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.